Heyo. Back at it again, everybody. Oh, shit. Um, everybody, thank you for tuning in. It is a Lovely Tuesday, Tuesday evening. Yeah. Um, I'm Chris. I'm Daniel. And we appreciate you guys hanging in there and uh, joining in for another episode of Hanging On For Dear Life. Absolutely. So today we're talking about top five Marvel supporting characters. Um, and the definition that Chris and I looked up was a supporting character is somebody who is the plot is not focused around but does contribute to the overall story. He already has a shit-eating grin on because we already have had a huge disagreement on who should be qualified for this, but we'll elaborate on that a little later. Um, but to go over the criteria that we set forth for these characters, um, the number one criteria was moving the main character or characters, if there's more than one in the movie, to become who they're meant to be. Because I think I, I think we both kind of agreed on this as a side character or support character. Your job in the story is to push that main character into being who they're supposed to be. I think also like that helps move the plot forward, right? Yes. So I think that's important to consider in that in that same category is correct helping that character unlock their character like whatever we consider so highly to be their character yeah and then also what helps progress the story correct I, I think i think that's a, a good distinction to make too because it's not just the main character but it's also the actual main plot line like do they push that plot line forward so i think that's a, a a big good call out um the second piece was they had to be either compelling or entertaining so whether they compelled us as people to be better or you know you saw them and like wow that guy's a real piece of shit i don't want to be like that <laughs> either way they had to compel us emotionally or entertain us um that was another one of the criteria i think that was important for us and then we did list that they could be good or bad because there are supporting characters on both sides of the aisle where they help move the plot forward because they're a bad guy or a bad girl and like same thing with good guy good girl. girl why is it that you can't say bad girl and not think bad and, girl and think like oh yeah yeah i just uh you say bad boy and you're like whatever a bad girl automatically has that association. It's like, oh my god, a bad well, girl. I think the only time that bad boy would have had that same distinction is when Cascada made that song "Bad Boy" like back in two thousand like seven. I don't even know that song. Yeah, it's, it's it was at like yeah, it was old. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> here we are. Um, cool. So let's jump right into it. Um, uh, do you want to go ahead and start? Or do you want me to start? Sure, I can get my my number five. So my number five supporting character in Wrong. the Marvel oh, Cinematic Universe. Is Pepper Potts. And I think Pepper Potts is number five simply because she pushes Tony to be a better version of Tony's self. And a lot of what happens, obviously, in the Infinity Saga is revolved around Tony and his decisions. So I think from the plot standpoint and the character standpoint, she serves a really great purpose. Like she helps move Tony forward, she helps him to see that there are reasons to do things other than like selfishly and like to be more of a hero innately. So I think she does a lot of those good things. Um, plus seeing her put on the suit and fight next to Tony at the end of uh, um, Endgame. That's a really cool scene. Love that whole bit. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. Um, I think she was a, a compelling character in the sense that she was very real, right? Like she didn't have superpowers. She wasn't like ultra mega intelligent. You know, she had superpowers very briefly in Iron Man 3 when she had that other serum thing in her that was going to kill her or whatever. I actually don't even remember that. That's how yeah. insignificant I felt Iron Man 3 was. We'll oh, man, never tell it to Sean. That's like one of Sean's favorite Marvel movies. He would, like, lose his <laughs> mind. But anyways, um, yeah, so I think Pirate Potts, she's my number five. Um, obviously, she's a, a good a good guy, but she's a, a good girl, I should good say. Person. You can't even say good girl without good it being, like, person. good person. But um, I, I think Pepper Potts was really instrumental in developing Tony and Iron Man, so... She was my number five. 
You know, I love that pick, and I didn't put her on my top five. I just felt as though it was a very brief amount of time. And again, like I think that there's a few people on my top five. I'm just kind of bullshitting and seeing if I can make the argument here. <laughs> um, Pepper probably should have been on there, but I mean, I love I love Pepper. I think that she's unequivocally herself, and I think mm-hmm. that's um, that does help Tony in a lot of ways. I think that from you know Iron Man one when she's essentially like his support, right? Um, I tried to look up the name of the robot um, that constantly put Tony out when he went on fire. I was going to add him to my list. <laughs> um, but I didn't. So, um, yeah, Wouldn't I think. Wouldn't that technically be Jarvis? No, I guess it wouldn't be Jarvis, would it? No, I think it was a name. I think there was a name. I just didn't look very hard. Got you. Um, but, yeah, no. Love Pepper. Um, I think it's a great pick. I think, and, you know, it, this wouldn't be a podcast, our podcast, if it wasn't me thinking, like, what's she going to do next? Yeah. Because she's still alive. Yeah, she's right? still alive. She's still got she's a daughter. Thinking. Do you think she mentors Morgan into becoming the next Iron Man? Or do you think she tries to tell her to, like, stay away from it? Well, that's what I'm wondering, right? You know, you think about kind of the, the trajectory in which they're going. And, again, I, I, I haven't heard anything. I'm actually really excited for Comic-Con coming up. Yeah. Because I think we're going to get, some, get, get, a, get a, some some look under the veil a little bit mm-hmm. about directions. But, um, yeah. you know, uh, there's been a lot of hints about Secret Wars. And I'd probably lose my shit if Secret Wars came Secret out. Secret Wars would be so cool. I think uh, my wife, she's pointed out a ton of, like, um, Young Avengers. That's stuff. exactly yeah. It's kind of where I was going on that one. And, yeah, and I think Secret Wars and Young Avengers like combination would be really cool to see because then that would I, I think that would give the Young Avengers a perfect chance to like need a reason to galvanize mm-hmm. and need a reason to become the next Avengers. So I think that would be cool to explore. But I mean, you know, the one thing I can say about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that they've done a good job with the majority of their movies. There's been maybe one or two duds the entire mm-hmm. time, and it's like. You know, you just got to kind of trust the direction and see how it all plays out. Because, I mean, we've discussed about it a hundred dozen times that we didn't know Thanos was the big bad until the end of Avengers 1. And even Mm -hmm. then, it was more of a, like, Like, is he going to be the big bad or is he just going to be their next next guy, right? And so, we got some time. Um, And I think that we have been conditioned to... Like, it's funny because hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? So you get to that point. We're getting way off topic here, but we'll, I'll bring us back in in a second here. But you get to that point where we're looking at the current phase and we're like, why is this taking so long? We have yeah. no idea the direction and all this stuff. But if we really look back and put ourselves contextually in the different ti- places in time, we would find ourselves thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. But the only way, the only reason that we're thinking it right now is because of our past experience and we yep. want to know. Correct. So for all of us impatient fucks, we just need to relax for a second and trust the, just trust the process. I've been hearing that a lot at work as well. So, yeah. um, <laughs> okay. So my number five, okay. um, is Korg. Uh, Korg, I, I love, love me some Korg. Now, love Korg. now I think spoiler, a- spoiler. If you have not seen love and thunder, we're probably gonna talk a little bit about it right here. So just FYI. Yeah. Um, so I think that when we're introduced to Korg is a very unique situation, right? Where we find that, um, we, that we, we paper see beat rock. Huh? You said we, we, we were introduced to, him, I said paper beat rock. Yeah. Sorry. That was, just that was, that was good. I, I was good. It was a little over my head right now. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, it was an interesting situation, right? Because it's, it's at that point where Thor's unsure of who he is, right? Mjolnir was just broken. Um, he was sent into fucking dump land yeah. and his hair was chopped off. I know that sounds silly, but that like that everything that led up to that point was a loss of identity. Yep. Right. And it's such a cool moment when you're actually thinking about it like that. You're like, holy fucking shit. Like we went from Thor thinking he knew who he was. Now he has no idea. And they made it in imagery. Yeah. And Korg was another person that's unequivocally himself. 
right yep. throughout the entirety of, of, of the times that we see him. And I, I think that we're going to see more of him in a mm-hmm. different fashion now because of what happened in love and thunder. Yeah. Um, but the way that he helped Thor along the way when he was on Ragnar, or excuse me, when he was in it, I forget the name of the, the, the planet, but during the movie of Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, and he just stuck with him through thick and thin, right? Mm-hmm. He got fat, um, after Thanos wins, he's sitting there playing video games with him and he may be a bit of an enabler. Yeah. Um, so which isn't necessarily like the most, important thing when you think about friends and, and sure. important people in your lives but um I, I think that i really hung on to the the entertaining part of the, the what we're looking at right as a, as a supporting character and um he had to make my list i, I didn't yeah. know where to put him and like i said i have i have a couple funny ones on here so i didn't want to didn't want to outshine yeah. i want to want to make a serious one here and i think that um korg you know is an absolute he is a a gift yeah. to Marvel Cinematic Viewers. He's a, he's a gift to the cinematic viewers, but he's also a gift to Thor, if you think about oh, it. Oh, right? yeah. Because like when Thor was going through this big identity crisis and he was like, oh, I got to get out of here, you know, Korg was the first person to be like, well, okay, like, what we got to do? And like, I, think, I think that helped Thor remember that he's still a leader, right? Yeah. And like, I think through the events of Ragnarok, obviously, you know, Thor re- rediscovers himself essentially and like discovers how powerful he really could be. But I think Korg is instrumental in bridging that gap time. So I think that's a great pick. I think Korg's a great pick. I think that's the thing we're going to find throughout this top five is that there's just so many good picks. Yeah. Especially based on the definition of a supporting character. I mean, there's like... There's a lot of them. 15, 20 people that are off limits. supporting character. And like, you can theoretically make an argument for almost every character except for like the five Avengers. (laughs) Right? Like, yeah. It's it's, so it made it really tough, I think, to weed out my list. (laughs) Like, I know you're speaking that you did a couple funny ones. I think I tried to stay more to background characters. Like I tried to stay away from like people that could be considered a main character because I wanted to like give like shout outs to like the, the lesser screen times characters. So you wanted to be a little bit more on the morally high ground than me. I got it. Not okay. quite, but okay. Okay, it's <laughs> cool. I mean, that's where the balance comes in this podcast, right? You I know, guess so. you're better than me. I'm oh, half as good as stop. you, um, except for when it comes to tight shirts and big bees. Literally anything athletic. That's uh, not. Sick. Anyways, let's, let's <laughs> number four, sir. Number four, I got Bucky. Bucky was my number four. So um, I would have put him a little bit higher on his list, on this, on my list, if, if his impact wasn't um, specifically just for Cap. Same thing with Pepper. Like, I would have put her a little higher if it wasn't just the fact that she just impacted Tony. But by Bucky impacting Cap, that moves a ton of the story forward in terms of the Infinity Saga and, like, the Avengers and, like, their their plot points as, as, a, as an organization, if you will. So... Can we and buy I, stock in that organization? Dude, I don't know if I'd want to. Have you seen The Boys? No, I've not seen The Boys. Uh, Braxton told me to watch it, but it's I, I have not seen it. an interesting take on superheroes. Yeah, I mean, I we'll have I, to watch and do a review on it. I do want to watch it. Actually, it's something I would I would love to watch. Second but, season's very slow. But to stay on track. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> it's okay. Sorry, um, but the uh, I like Bucky from the first standpoint because again, he really moves Steve to solidify his views. Right, like. Steve really believes in fighting for his friends and who he loves dearly. And I think seeing Bucky and like, everyone's like, no, he's a winter soldier. We've got to kill him. And he's like, uh, no, that's my best friend, Bucky. We're not going to do that. And so I think that helps spur cap to be who he is. And ultimately I think him running into Bucky is what really exposes Hydra underneath the surface of shield. I think that really helps spur that investigation forward. So I think a lot of good came from Bucky being introduced that and like on the compelling argument, his story is incredibly compelling. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at him recovering from B 
being a bad guy and going through the brainwashing when you look into um, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, like as the TV series, you see him going through that recovery period. Mm -hmm. And I think that that made for an extraordinarily compelling story. So I I think that he's a a phenomenal supporting character. Yeah, I actually agree with everything you said. I think that the only thing that I would add really is you mentioned that his his impact was uh, more directly like on Steve Cap. Mm -hmm. And and I, I said that's that's unarguable. Right. But I think you have to look at like his impact on Falcon right his impact on black widow and i know it's like not a direct impact but like their like their their history right um is essentially what has led led her to pick what sides of the covia sokovia accords that she did early on correct right because she goes no like and then once she understood more of like what happened and realized that it very much so could have been her like their story like really it's very similar, similar right? Yeah. And so again, I don't think there's like direct nods to it, but I, I think to support your point even further is he was an impactful character that helped drive a lot of characters in the direction that we see today. Yeah. And I also think that he was Steve's rock, right? Like I think mm-hmm. early on, and he was his best friend. He was the person that you know believed in Steve before Steve believed in Steve. Correct. And um, so. And even to that, actually, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't even know how to think about this, but in uh, Civil War, um, he I- ironically enough spurs T'Challa into being a better leader. Yeah. You know, because T'Challa spends the whole time plotting about revenge, 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 revenge. And then when he starts to kind of, I think, see Cap in the way that he protects Bucky and like these other interactions between the rest of the Avengers, I think he sees what happens when revenge consumes you. And he and he starts to see that piece when Tony goes through the consumption of revenge when he wants to kill Bucky because of his parents. And so I think T'Challa really grows mm. as a character from that interaction. And even when he finds Zemo, who's really behind it all, he doesn't even kill Zemo mm-hmm. when he could have. And so I think, I think again, like, I, I didn't even know how I didn't think about that sooner, but like mm. he really spurs T'Challa's character forward in a really positive fashion. Yeah, especially because Civil War is before – or Winter Soldier is before – Black Panther, right? Correct. So imagine the situation and how he handles Killmonger a little bit differently, right? Like, you know, when he goes to the the planes and he pretty much tells his ancestors, you were wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you were incorrect, right? I, you're right. I think that's a very, very interesting view. I like it a lot. Your, your number four. All right. My number four is Darcy. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> that Darcy – and actually – and I, and I actually think – what skirted her onto my top five here mm-hmm. is her role in Love and Thunder. Though how small it was, mm-hmm. she pretty much said, why don't you ask Thor for help? And she said, no. And, but, but just saying that then had Jane realize, and then I think that's what allowed the, the Thor or the Odin speak to actually speak to her and then call to her to go to the hammer, to mm-hmm. check the book, to go to the hammer. Yep. And then, you know, essentially – progress her character forward which then ultimately progresses thor forward to where we don't even know mm-hmm. even more right yep. and i think also we see it early on in the the original thors you actually see her in the tv series with wandavision mm-hmm. right like it's it's and, and she she brings such a, a great light-hearted humor yep. but she's so fucking intelligent and she's and funny man she's like, so geez. funny <laughs> so funny so Cracks she had up. to be on the list because i think mm-hmm. that she impacts not only jane's character but she also impacts the other doctor mm-hmm. she also impacts thor she she has like this reverberating 
wave of impact that that kind of you know bounces off of her and i and yeah. i think that she's just one of those characters that's so fun to have around and i'm excited yeah. to kind of see you know now that J- spoil <laughs> now that jane's dead yeah well we already, we've already disclosed there's gonna be spoilers so yeah if so you're now- still listening that's on you so now that jane's dead and Uber you know she doesn't even know yet from yeah. our understanding, right? So what's oh, going to happen? she doesn't. No, like what's going to happen? Like is she going to she going to continue Jane's studies? That's like, a good question actually. So I, I I love her character. I love the the amount of her character that we get. I don't think it's overdone. I don't think it's underdone, mm-hmm. and I think it's a very important character to so many different avenues of of what we've got been exposed to so far. I agree. I mean, I I think Darcy's a great pick as well. I mean, <clears throat> I think the only reason she didn't make my top 5 is because I think she's a little too much on like the funny humor side. Um, but I, I think uh, to your point with what she did in love and thunder, when we're, what do we always say in sales? Plant the seed, plant the seed. Oh, I was going to say close the deal. Well, I was, saying, I was plant <laughs> the seed. Welcome to the team. <laughs> Take <laughs> but, this pen, but like plant the seed, right? So like, you know, she plants the seed in Jane's head as Thor. Yeah. And so that's what spurs her to start looking into the Odin speak, being open to it. Yeah, and I think that's actually what allows the call, like her to hear the call. Yeah. Right, the, that's it's it's in like also her part in Vision, WandaVision, the, t- the television show, right? Like, yeah. you know, while she's still goof a, a goofball, I mean, she essentially under like is the first person to understand what's happening in WandaVision. Yep, understand what's going on, and how they can go ahead and essentially get past it. Yeah, no, it, she she's I think she's underrated on the intelligence scale. Yeah, I don't think people give her enough credit for how smart she actually is as a character because, um. Obviously, there's a ton of big brains in Marvel, right? But I think she's probably one of the most undervalued big brains. Yep. Cool. So. Number three. Sliding up into number three. Um, I stole this off one of your lists because I was just so upset that I didn't pick it for my own list. Um, uh, but he also he had to find a way into my list here because he's a great character, Heimdall. Great, great, great supporting character because not only does he help try to guide young Thor, he even tries to help guide young Loki. You know, when Loki is going through his spells of like, you know – trying to overthrow his own dad and like, you know, bring ruin to Asgard. Like Heimdall knows all this. He knows what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, he even like, you know, he tries to talk Loki out of it. And like, I think that was, while it didn't ultimately in the short term lead to any growth for Loki, I think long term it helped with bridging that. I think it helped build that comeback for him where he's fighting on the side of Asgard against Thanos and, you know, obviously that doesn't go too well for Loki in that situation, but, um, you know, I think that was great. Heimdall also acted as a huge advisor to Odin. They didn't really go over it too much in the movies, but they touch on it here and there, and that, like, Heimdall's been there with Odin basically since the beginning. Yeah. And so I think in those senses, he's just a really rock-solid character in terms of, like, helping other characters in that franchise of, like, the Thor area mm-hmm. move forward. But I also think that um, as a character – He's really compelling. Like I, I he's not necessarily entertaining, mm-hmm. but like the way he acts, the way he speaks, the way that he And the very moves. little like exposure that we get to him, you get that feeling. Yes. And I and I think that's one writing, but two also a, just an amazing acting job by, by Idris Alba. Like I think he crushed that role. But like it also helps when you're, you know, one of the literally the sexiest men alive. I don't know, man. I just I, I it's hard because you haven't seen in the office, but his part that he plays in the office just cracks me up. Okay, um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I there's nothing more that I can add to that. I think, yeah. I mean, we already I already spoke on him. I think mm-hmm. you know, but to your point, probably the most 
important thing I think that that comes from him really is that idea of how compelling he is and how little exposure we get to him. Yes, and I think that was what I think that's what ultimately tipped him on my scales higher. Not only the multiple people impact, but again the the level of compellingness you get from him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's even a word, but compellingness, I like it. But you know, you get a lot from it from very little screen time. I think that's that's something to be spoke to. Yeah, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. All right, uh, climbing up to number three, I have Wong. <laughs> love, love me some Wong. I love me some Wong. I think that, I mean, from the first time they introduced him in the original Doctor Strange, like his character is not a main character, even when he becomes a Sorcerer Supreme. Like you don't see him as the full guy that's going to be, you know, taking on everybody. But his at his addition to every scene that he's in is unmatched. I think, like, yeah. right, like. Just the level of humor, the level of seriousness, the level of intelligence, the level of leadership, all those little things and every mm-hmm. little every little scene that he's in, you're just like, man, like w- this scene would not be very good without him. Well, the, be- the best Wong moment is when uh, uh, Doctor Strange is about to go out and go get a sandwich. And he's like, oh, detachment from, you know, the, the, the metaphysical world is like enlightenment or whatever. And he's like, all right. He's like, I'm going to go get a sandwich. Then he's like. Oh, I take a tuna fish melt, and like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "What is uh, what is uh, twenty rupees come out to?" And he's like, "Like sixty cents." <laughs> like it was that whole interaction is hilarious, and it's because Wong is having this moral high ground speech, and then he's like, "Oh, but a tuna fish melt." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just funny, and then Thor comes crashing through, and it's it, or a banner, a banner comes crashing yeah. through the stairs, and like that's just that whole bit's hilarious. But and it's because of Wong. <laughs> yeah, and he's just so good. Like I think about you know, again, I, I rewatched um the Multiverse of Madness last night, and mm-hmm. that that. A majority of that scene where Doctor Strange is a zombie is kind of weird. But when Wong's there with him, yeah, you're like, all right, like it's not as weird as it should be. Yeah. Like everything about it, and he's like, dude, you've looked better. He's like, I don't even want to know. <laughs> like, and it just, it, it's that, it's that addition, um, ultimately by subtraction, right? I think yeah. that like, you know, he's not overplayed in it. I think it's gonna be. Also great to see kind of how his character, you know, develops, what we see more of him. And, you know, something else that I didn't notice until just this moment, but we don't see him in any other multiverses either. Um, and, like, we didn't see him when he, like, in any of the other multiverses in that movie specifically as well, right? Which yeah. is quite interesting, right? But he did allude to it when he talks about, because they talk about dreaming. Yeah. Being like you're dreaming something else is happening to one of your other selves. And he talks about the clown chasing him naked. Yeah. And, um uh america chavez reassured that 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 actually is happening yeah um so there i'm I'm sure there is but you don't you don't see it um there's no nods to it specifically Mm. um but again then he's also in shang chi yeah right like at the end there when he's actually bringing them so like that's also something that's like where the fuck are they going because they just brought shang chi like there's a lot of things happening right now that i think we're just going to be wildly well, I think the I think the cool thing that one of my and what is this one of my like pocket theories and I'll just put it out there right now as a blip, but like I think that they're setting up pocket bads. I think they're setting up little little pockets where there's gonna be bad guys in pockets. Like I think I, that, I think they're gonna go over it that way. I kind of hope they do because I think those allows them to do multiple things. But anywho, we can go over that later. Now, as long as there's is, see, have you watched any? And again, I don't want to get off too off topic too off topic here, but have you watched any of like the DC shows? The like DC? Flash, Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. Have not. Okay. So those shows like start off really good. Yeah. Like I was very, very impressed with them. And again, I think that's another thing that, you know, we should talk about later down the road because I think they're, they're great. There's sure. a lot of, but it's as soon as they start 
having all these weird crossovers. Like where all of a sudden Flash crosses over with Supergirl, then all of a sudden Fl- crosses over with Green Arrow, mm. and it becomes convoluted. Yeah. And so my fear with your theory is if they they can they they move that direction, but then they attempt to bring it across. Yeah. It's it be, it becomes choppy, and so, and I think that's what made them so successful is that idea of like having a big bad. And I think great, you know, continue to move in your direction, have like your each individual, you know. I guess vertical uh, battling somebody, but ultimately sure. leading to something. Yeah, I bet mean, you could be right, but I also would trust Marvel to do a better job than DC did because DC overall as a franchise just didn't do great in the cinematic. True, universe. I hear what you're saying, and again, I don't think it has anything to do with specific uh, DC specifically. I just think that like that feeling is, and again, maybe that's just because my only exposure to it is there. Sure, but early on it was okay because it wasn't too much, but it yeah. just like it becomes too much yeah if it's done poorly i mean if it's done the only way that i know (laughs) sure that's no it's understandable so um back to the list um my number two is vision vision is my number two supporting character and i have great reasons why the reason i pick vision is we don't get wanda going psychotic angry without vision doesn't happen because vision gives her like an actual true love gives her someone to anchor to someone to build a life with and it's ripped away from her so without that interaction we don't get wanda how she is now so again it wasn't necessarily in a good way but he moves the character forward and the plot forward by becoming that sacrificial piece so my only my only riff on that is Mm -hmm. in the whole multiverse of madness has nothing to do with finding another vision but everything to do with finding her kids sure but in this in this universe this wanda doesn't go psychotic unless she has vision Right, so we don't even get multiverse of madness without Vision, because the only reason she went nuts is because she lost Vision and lost her chance at a family or at a life with him, right? Like that's the reason that she went nuts, took over that town, did all the things that she did. Westview, correct. So like that's the only reason she did all those things. So I think on an individual basis we have that, hmm. and then I think from a more broad perspective. Um, Vision is quite literally a summation of Jarvis, Mindstone, Tony, Bruce. Like he's a, a big mixture of a lot of characters thrown into one, and it's touched on in Ultron when he's first created that he's <laughs> so I just had the nastiest thought. I'm sorry. Oh boy, what? I just wonder if that's like would be the baby of a gangbang. Gross. I know. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. There's Gross. I'm just saying. There. I mean, I don't know. How but it works. anyways. I'm so sorry. any hoozle. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Any hoozle. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so like, again, and <coughs> ultimately it's Vision that takes down Ultron and after he kind of has that dialogue with him at the end of the movie and like has that really great conversation with him about like, why not let humanity decide its own fate? You know, like, why, why do we get to decide? So I think ultimately he's a really powerful character, very compelling. He, I think he has a lot of times throughout the, sh- the movies and the shows where he's got really, really good nuggets of wisdom in there. And he helps compel a lot of the story forward. So I think overall Vision's just a really great supporting character. He doesn't draw too much attention away from like the main characters, but he adds enough to it to lift that cast up. It's a really fucking great pick. Um, <laughs> you know, I wanted to argue and I wanted to like and I and I thought about bringing him on my list. Like, oh no, that guy's a main character. But all your points were pretty good. Um, and I think well they were really good, not pretty good. But I, I think you're right. I think – no, I just, I just think you're right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying to think of what I can add to it. You didn't, I mean, I think you said it well. Again, I, I think 
she wanted doesn't even know the absence of kids without having lost vision and then taking mm-hmm. created Westfield. Yep. So, um, interesting. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, there's nothing I can say about that. I think he's a great character. I don't think that he steals too much screen time. I think that he's just the person that is a moderator. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Dang it. I wanted to argue that one. All right. Number two. Don't say it. I see your face. Don't say it. It's not who you think it is. All right. Yondu. Oh uh, man. See, he was this close to be on my list. He was that close. He's a good. He's a great freaking pick, man. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not mad at that at all. That's that's an awesome one. Yeah, man. I, I think that there's a lot of reasons. I think ultimately, when we talk about, I was like, I like to start here because I think this has kind of been the theme of it. Is in terms of compelling character, you see a complete, like a, like a complete arc. You could call it whatever you from start to finish. Like when mm-hmm. when all of a sudden, like, and ultimately without yondu i mean we don't get quit we don't get peter quill like we don't get star lord um you know we don't and and it's interesting right because he was sent to essentially get peter and bring him back break to ego. bring him back to ego and he was like nah i like this kid and raised him to be a ravager raised him to be all these different things but kept him out of like ultimately going down the wrong path right mm-hmm. he's like the he's he's the dad that's like hey look i know i do a lot of bad shit and you can help support me on the the legal shit of the bad shit that i do yeah and uh i don't want you to really get caught in the weeds about it yeah well i mean i think he kept peter away from all the really dark shit he had to do yeah you know what i mean or, and i think that I think that's a great point to bring up yeah and so I, I, I think, again, in terms of compelling story, great. I think that without him, we don't get Peter. Right? And, I, and, you know, I've already said that. And I think um, at the very end, right, when he sacrifices himself to make sure that Star-Lord makes it out, right, yep. with everybody else. Um, I think that ultimately is what allows Star-Lord to open up his heart to his team, to the Guardians of the Galaxy. Correct. It's that point where he's like, you know what? Now I have to be what Yondu is for us, for me. Yep. And so that's why he's number two. Well, and that w- that was the first moment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe I cried. <laughs> cry, I cry. I like. I'll, I'll be honest about. It. I cried my eyes at movie theater, and like, and I think it's more. And just to kind of open up the reason why, like, for anyone who doesn't know, like, I was raised by my stepdad. Like, my stepdad was the one that came in and and was with me for my entire life, practices, games, every major life event, and uh, when. Uh, when Yondu's, you know, about to make the move, and he says, you know, I may not have been your father, but I've always been your dad. And I was just like, that hit so close to home. I just, I lost. I'm in the theater, like, bawling my eyes out, yeah. and and my wife's next to me, and she's just like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. It's just really like, this is helping. <laughs> people and, and people family and love. Feelings. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, it, I love Yondu. He's a great character. I'm kind of mad at him for my list now, but. Yeah. I mean, you pick. can change your list. I can't now. It's already on the, we already recorded. <laughs> I know, but what I mean is, like, you can change it to admit that my list is better than yours. Incorrect. Okay, well, let's find out. Number one. <laughs> all right, my number one, and I already know you hate this pick, so I'm, I'm just going to, uh, I'll preface all of that. Uh, Nick Fury. Nick Fury is my ultimate supporting character because if we backtrack all the way back to the timeline-wise, yes, we, we know you give blowjobs. It's understandable. But anyways, um, so if we go back to the um, back to Captain Marvel in terms of timeline-wise, not like release okay. dates, but like timeline-wise, 
like the, the Avengers, 90s, right? yeah, the night like ninety what okay. three or four whatever it I was, don't know the but exact like year, but nineties, yeah, yeah. So without his run in with Marvel, there is no Shield, there is no Avengers, there's no nothing like that. None of that gets made without Fury because Fury is the one that starts the Avenger project. He's the one that builds it, and so he was already part of Shield though at the time, right? I think so. I think Shield. I think you're right. I think Shield was already in existence, mm-hmm. but I th- you don't get the Avengers project without Fury dealing with Marvel and then the scrolls and everything that goes with that. And I, so I think he plays an extraordinarily pivotal piece. Um, he's got some phenomenal one-liners and some really cool moments. And like, um, was it, was it winter soldier or is it, no, it was winter soldier when he like, when the guy's like, well, you don't have access. I deleted all like the codes or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, you always have to keep one eye open. He flips open the, you know, blind eye. I was like, that's sick. Like that's such a Nick Fury move. And like, the whole time he's this mysterious, like, you don't know much about him. You don't know why he's like the way he is. And, like, the only superhero that knows anything about this guy is Captain Marvel. Everyone else he's kept at a huge arm's distance, didn't let anyone else in. Mm-hmm. And so I think he, he plays a really important role through his bad and good decisions. So, like, he, he doesn't always make the right choice. He doesn't always make the right decision. It's why I couldn't put him on my heroes list because he, he made a lot of really bad choices. But ultimately, the decisions that he made – is what spurred a lot of the early parts of the Infinity Saga forward. So, and okay. he's and he's an f- entertaining character. I think he's fun when he's on screen. I just think he's compelling enough, right, to be number one. I mean, to make your list cool, I think to be your number mm-hmm. one, the, your, your number one supporting cast. I don't think we get enough of him. I don't mm-hmm. think he's as important as other than getting things started, right? As soon as he assembles the Avengers, yeah. outside of that, everything that happens is because of all the other characters we talked about. Sure. And, but to your point, I mean, I, I wanted to touch on one thing, you know, he was like, yeah, he made some poor decisions, but I think at the end of the day, you know, in terms of leadership, he made the right decisions, right? He yes. did what he was supposed to. And so I think sometimes leadership is the hardest thing because you have to be a trailblazer. There's nobody yeah. to come before you and say, okay, like you can, you can base your decision off of that. Yeah. So I, I think that he did a great job there. I think that he played his character the way he's supposed to. I don't know much about him in the comics, right? Maybe mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that we don't see. There's, um, there's 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 so much Nick Fury in the comics, um, but I think Marvel had to make some sacrifices movie wise and show wise to like make it all fit. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I digress. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, and so again, I, I I I don't dislike him being on your uh, on the top five, but mm-hmm. I think to be number one is more almost feels like like a nod, right? Like we have to because it's Nick Fury, and I don't like it being number one because I don't think he's compelling enough to like. Again, we see the most of him when he's in Captain Marvel, and that's after we've seen so many fucking movies. Sure. Right? And they threw in Captain Marvel, so we understand kind of who she is when it comes to Infinity Wars and Endgame and things like that. Yeah. So, again, I, I don't think it's a terrible pick. I think being number one, it's just like one of those things where it's like, ah, like, it almost feels like that's like the pick we have to make because he's Nick Fury. See, I, I wouldn't say it that way. Cause I think, again, with the supporting cast argument, there are so many great supporting characters in the MCU. Like, there are a lot of really awesome like people to draw from. I just think that Nick Fury was the most impactful, especially for the, the <coughs> first six to seven movies. Well, here's the thing. There's one true number top one. I swear to God, if it's the and one. And it's not who you think it is because it I didn't, I didn't be. want us to start <laughs> yelling at each other, but we are going to talk about it. All right. Happy is the number one supporting character in the MCU. You want to talk about not Here's compelling why. enough and you're no, no. going to name Here's Happy why. number one? Here's oh why. Oh, my God. Go ahead. So before Pepper Potts, it was Happy with Tony, right? Before Pepper Potts, Happy, right? Secondly, 
um, happy, you know, in, in terms of Tony's development, support, things like that. He was always doing things behind the scenes for Tony to make sure he showed it to places on time, to make sure he was there to cover his ass when he needed to be, right? Because he was a playboy, philanthropist, whatever, sure. whatever. There's one more thing I'm missing, Nick. Billionaire. Billionaire, yeah. Dang it. Um, but where, where, what sold me with Happy was his impact when Tony was gone. Mm-hmm. Right. When I think about his impact on Tom, or excuse yeah. me, Peter Parker, um, <laughs> Peter Parker <laughs> loses in Far From Home without Happy. Absolutely. Like there's, there's no chance, right? And I just think that when we talk about like the the, the ultimate supporting cast, like we think about he's, I think he's funny. I think mm. he he's interesting. We like watching him now. We can have the argument about compelling, sure. Like. Maybe mm-hmm. he's not the most compelling person except for when he has those few screen times where he's talking to Tony and like bringing him back on track or he's talking to Tom and saying, Hey, look, man, somebody else believe in you. And like, yeah. And again, when I think about the definition of a supporting character, somebody that's not going to get a lot of the screen time, mm-hmm. somebody that's not meant to take the spotlight, somebody that's not meant to have powers, be all these things. I think that happy was that person for so many different people in the, in the Marvel universe. Uh-huh. When Tony's gone, he was that person for pepper, right? Yeah. Like there's just, you know, he, and then even at the end, I mean, you see him sitting with Tony's daughter. I was hoping to bring that up because that, that's his best moment in the entire. And having that conversation and understanding, like, but that was him, right? He has that yeah. same conversation with Tony mm-hmm. in the first in the first Avenger or in in Iron Man. And he goes, mm-hmm. "Let's get a hamburger," right? Because well, yeah, Tony wanted the hamburger. Yeah. And so when he has that conversation with Tony's daughter, yeah, it's that same thing. And I I just think that there's there's no better supporting character. And again, we can we can sure. bring all these different things and say who's more powerful or whatever. But I think at the end of the day, when I think of the definition of a supporting character, yeah. I don't think there's one better than Happy or Ned. Well, I mean, I made the same, I made the exact same reason picks for Fury, right? Sure. Because Fury does a ton of things behind the scenes for a lot of different characters, like especially Black Widow, like that we don't ever see. And like, well, I want to know what happened to Budapest, dude. Budapest, it just oh, I can't get away from it. I want. Is it in know. the comics? Uh, that I don't know. I could, I, we probably find it, but I, I just, I want to <laughs> know what the fuck happened in Budapest. So bad. But anyways, um. But I I I'm, I don't want to get off too off track here. But yeah, no, I mean I have no problem with Happy being on the list either, or number one even to be honest with you, because I think again, the supporting cast. I think there's really like probably ten to fifteen people we could include on this mm-hmm. list that could rank anywhere. Like I think yeah. it's a really open list, um, with a lot less, like I guess argumentative power, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of it that is gonna be super subjective. Well, like, here we go. Here's number one. Don't Loki. say it. Don't the say number Loki. one supporting He's cast a main character, character is He's a main is Loki. Now, and the reason that is, you can't be a, you can't be a protagonist in your own show and be an antagonist twice and be a supporting character. Sure you can, because you can be both a good character and a bad character. But I think ultimately when we talk about, so we, we we spent a lot of time talking about Thor, his development. We spent a lot of time talking about Odin, his development, like without Loki, Mm -hmm. none of these people end up who they are. And he plays both sides of the coin so well. And like without Loki being murdered in infinity war, Uh we don't see Thor reaches ultimate power like we do like it's just again loki he he's not a main character because none of the the pivotal plot like the the whole plot sur- is wrapped around loki and cool you're gonna make the argument about iron man one and you're gonna make the ar- argument about Th- the thor first one. avengers thor one ah, fucking 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 thor yeah yeah but, but he again like my, my point though is that that's what the hindsight we're talking about before hello light 
All right. Well, anyways, um, technical difficulties. But anyways, um, no. Like, I, I, the reason I can't put Loki on there is because through Avengers, he's the big bad, right? He is the big bad up and he's through the first Avengers movie. Again, we don't know that, he's right? A supporting puppet. But you don't you don't know that through <laughs> the first bit. He's the big bad. He's the main evil. And so, like, you can't be that big of a bad and galvanize the entire Avengers and be a supporting character. Like, right? Like, he he's the one who is trying to take over the world. He's trying to take over Asgard. He's the main antagonist twice. And then gets his own show in Loki where he's the main protagonist. And then he comes up and finds out that Kang the Conqueror is still around. So, like... Again, I think you're right in the sense that he makes a lot of plot points move forward, but it's because the main character, main characters also progress the plot. Like that's also a huge piece. But and it, he's but wrapped up in the plot. It's not just the plot; it's the character development, like that you see across the board. And everybody but character development doesn't make you a supporting character. No, but we talked about supporting characters being the person that ultimately can help project the characters to the people that they're supposed to be or ultimately sure. to be. Right. And through Loki's development, there's like certain pinpoints through that development that we get to see the, the, the full character arc of some of the characters come complete. Right. Like once Loki and Thor, you know, realize that they're brothers and they have that acceptance they're having that conversation with Odin, that's essentially when Odin feels that he can leave because he knows yeah. that now those two are going to work together to stop Helen. Helen. Yeah. Right. Like you just see like little pinpoints throughout there that's like, Again, after Avengers One, there's really no, there's no, there's no main storyline that is wrapped around Loki. He's just an additive to all these different things along the way. He's a catalyst. I think he spent way too much time as a main character to be considered a supporting. That and that's I, I you, like you'll never convince me off that okay. hill because like it, it's just he's a main character. Like he he has been since the moment he stepped in the MCU. Because if we're gonna take the argument that. You know, because in a couple of movies or a couple of shows, he wasn't the main guy. I mean, then 99.9% of the cast is available. The only one you couldn't pick would be Thanos because he's the only one that in both of his appearances, he's the main antagonist. So like, you'd, you'd have to like. But I think that, you know, again, we, we find on we find out, find out pretty early on in Avengers that Loki is acting for somebody else understood but he's still the main bad he's still the main antagonist throughout that yeah, whole movie but again man anyways i just i love that i love that idea because again i don't think i think loki was not designed to be the main antagonist or protagonist yeah. i think he was designed to be the main supporting character for both good and for both good like if we talk about two sides right mm-hmm. evil versus good mm-hmm. he's meant to be right fucking in the middle yeah no i believe that i agree and i agree I think that he's that's like it it, it it does so much for like it does so much for the intensity of the story yeah. as a whole well and i'll give you that i think he's the most versatile character by far in the marvel universe i think he's the most versatile i think he's probably one of the most entertaining characters i think a lot of people just really genuinely like loki and mm-hmm. like having him around so i'll give you those things but i, I just can't put him as a supporting character because i think he does too many things with the plot to be considered a supporting character okay. but that's just again this is where I like we talked about earlier. It's all subjective, right? And like, I just can't see him that way. That's okay. And so, actually, you know, the real, true number one. Oh boy, here it is. In all How many number ones movies. are you gonna have? This is your third number one. No, this is the true number one. You just said that about Loki. No, no, no. That was the <laughs> fake true. Oh, Jesus. I faked out the fake. Stanley. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, 
Stanley, man. All his cameos. But again, he's not a supporting character. Oh my god, <laughs> he's, he's the writer. He's the writer. He created, <laughs> but he's in every movie <laughs> until he, he created, dies. But he created it all. We're not. We're ending it on <laughs> Stanley, the man, the myth, the legend. Thank you for, for writing, sharing your fucking brain with the world, and allowing yeah. us to have these conversations, allowing mm-hmm. us to have the the pleasure of of viewing, reading, whatever it is, however yeah. people partake in Marvel, and it's such a. Uh, up. There's such a wide variety that uh, of of information of something that people can upload that yeah. um, everybody in every walk of life, regardless if you haven't watched, listened, or read any Marvel, like everybody, there's something to relate to, and I think yeah. it's so cool because Stanley's written his entire life, and let's face it, regardless of whatever time you were born in, there's still these milestones throughout your life that he wrote about, and when yeah. he hit those milestones, that we could fucking relate to and well i mean just to touch on that like briefly with even like just captain america overall as a superhero like the reason that steve rogers is such a great hero is because he's literally hitler's wet dream but he's punching hitler in the face you know he's fighting nazis but he's a blonde haired blue-eyed guy at six foot two 240 pounds like he's he's the ideal guy that the nazis were trying to get and he beats the nazis which is hilarious and then you get america chavez who eventually takes over the captain america mantle in the comics and the reason that she did that is he didn't write America Chavez until like I think it was like the late eighties, early nineties is when she first made her appearance. And that was right about when like when the border crisis really started becoming a thing, like it became mm-hmm. an argument. And he specifically wrote a Latina character to be Captain America as a statement of like anybody can represent this country and be great for it. Yeah. And so I thought that was again like he did a lot of really cool, powerful things in the comics that are getting recognized now through film that I think are just like yeah. amazing. Like I said, I had to give him a nod. I mean, all of his little cameos in the movies They're and so funny too. They're and so that's good. the thing, right? <laughs> I mean, um, all right, I'll give you that MCU. He's a sporting character, like in the actual cinematic universe. I'll, I'll give you, I'll saying. give you that one. Okay, I'll give you that one. That's all I wanted in life. You, you know, I just one. wanted you to give me something. You can have that. I give you so much friendship and that you do give me a lot of companionship and companionship. Yeah, that's true. But sometimes, sometimes a little overbearing, knock it off. Knock it off. I have my bosses and stuff that watch this. No oh, dick, no sorry. dick sucking. Um, that doesn't happen. Now I'm embarrassed. We're gonna cut this out. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> That's what happens when I have the power. Um, so power. we're sitting at 46 minutes. Not actually bad today. Um, cool. Yeah. For everybody that tunes in, listens to us, I I can't express enough gratitude. Um, you know, the more people that listen, the more feedback we get. I mean, it helps hold us accountable. Yeah. Um, we want to do more. Um, so, you know, on behalf of me, for sure, I, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. And uh, I'll kick it over to Daniel to give us his closing his closing arguments or his closing thoughts before we get out of here. <laughs> no, I mean, just to echo what you said, I mean, anyone who listens to these and gives us feedback, I really appreciate you guys beyond the moon and back. I mean, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And even if this never becomes some big giant thing, I'll still record episodes with you because I have fun having these chats with you and uh, – you know, it, it's a lot of fun being here. So it's just, it's a good time. And I'm happy that people are enjoying our good time with their time. It's true. So you said to the moon and back too. I mean, if you fold a, a paper a certain number of times, it's like, I forget how many, but it's like a small you, number. You can get to the moon. Yeah. Do you know that number? Did you see that video? I, I've seen like the video, but I don't remember the number at all. Hey Siri, how many times can you fold a piece of paper to reach the moon? 145 times to reach the moon. That's insane. Doesn't that just seem obnoxious? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, to the moon and back. That's we we love you all. <laughs> 145 fold folds. 
Um, so again, thank you for hanging in there. Um, the endings, I think, is where most people are actually having to hang on for dear life. Because, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we Which, go on tangents. We can't say goodbye. And you hang on first. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. See you later.